A Million Likes is brought to you by Willa. Willa helps creators and freelancers get paid super fast for their brand collaborations. Gone are the days of waiting 30, 60, or even 90 days for payments. Using Willa, you press a button and get paid immediately. Every time for every client. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. Download from the App Store today and check it out for yourself. I remember my mother and stepfather dropping me off at the Detroit airport. It was huge, nothing like I've ever seen before in my life. I still couldn't believe I was 22 years old going to be flying on my first trip. I was in shock. I was happy, but still in shock. I didn't know where to go, who to talk to, or any of the rules. What I did see, though, was people. Lots of people walking really fast with lots of luggage. Entering the airplane, I was greeted by flight attendants. They were smiling and directing everybody to their seats. I still couldn't believe I was sitting first class. Six months later, I lost everything. My 600,000 followers, my job, my girlfriend, and I have been arrested for tax fraud. My name is Capri Taylor. I'm 28 years old, and this is my story. I was born and raised on the north side of Battle Creek, Michigan. The population of the city is only about 50,000 people, a very small town. I grew up with my mom and five brothers. Growing up in the hood, I experienced tremendous pain and hurt at a young age, a pain that has never left my body, a pain that would ruin most young men growing up where I grew up. Two weeks before I turned three, my father was shot and killed right outside of his own home, leaving behind eight kids. Me, my five brothers, and my mom bounced around living house to house most of my early childhood. I remember staying at different family members' houses, some aunties, some uncles, and some just close family relatives. I constantly saw my mom go in and out of the house while trying to show us as much love as she could, and that's something I've always felt, my mother's love. As a kid, I used to see my friends with all the newest toys, toys that I would just wish that I had, but I knew my mother couldn't afford. I used to always want the newest Power Rangers toys or Ninja Turtles, but I knew my mother couldn't because she had five other kids to raise. We would make up little games to play in the house. Our favorite game to play was basketball. We would make little basketball rims out of shoe boxes because we couldn't afford the real ones. We would use socks as the basketball, and we would play two-on-two against each other. Parts of the house would smell, specifically the vents, because rats would die inside of the wall and we wouldn't know where they was coming from. I hated that. I hated waking up, smelling like that before I went to school. All throughout elementary, I was a trouble student. I just remember constantly getting kicked out of school every day. I remember one specific teacher asking me to step out of class one day because she wanted to know why I was so angry. Before I could even say anything, I started to cry. I told her I missed my dad. I barely knew him, but I always felt him still in my life. And I desperately wanted to see him, hear him, play with him. I remember seeing other kids coming to school with their dad and moms, and that's something that I've always wanted. 
When I was around 13 years old, seven years after my mom met my stepdad, who instantly stepped up and became the real definition of a father figure to me and my brothers. He taught us the true definition of what it was like to be a man. He taught us the true definition of what respect was, too. And that's something I'll always be grateful for, because he didn't have to do that. He had two kids of his own who were around my age, who had been around me since I was five, so we considered them my brothers. He used to treat us no different from them. I remember him always picking us up and taking us to football practice, buying us food, buying us new clothes, and just taking us on trips. We had grew a bond and became one family. We finally had moved into a good house, still on the north side, but a lot better than what we were used to. The house was right next door to a park, so I remember we didn't have to make basketball rims out of shoeboxes anymore. Growing up still living in the hood, I had to quickly separate myself from what could lead me to danger or down the wrong path. I didn't want to end up like my father, who was a good man and loved all his kids from the story I heard, and one of the funniest dudes to ever live in my city. But I wanted to move far away, away from all the murders that constantly happen all year, away from thinking one day I might have to turn to drugs to make a living. So when I got to middle school, my grades quickly shot up to straight A's. And by the time I was in the eighth grade, I was a high honor roll student. My mother was proud of me, and I was proud of myself, because I knew no matter where I came from, I could do anything I set my mind to. I worked hard all year and got straight A's. All the middle schools in my city had a camp that eighth graders could go to if you made the high honor roll. I desperately wanted to go there, so I pushed myself all seventh grade year just to make it, and I did. While attending eight-league camp, I was constantly making the entire camp and faculty laugh. I remember one incident inside of the water in my canoe with my friend. We was making two girls laugh. I can't remember their names, but we made them laugh so hard that one girl tilted and they both fell out. That's when my principal pulled me aside and said, Capri, although you're funny, you're disrupting the camp. I told her that I was sorry, and I just love making people laugh. She looked at me and said, Capri, have you ever thought about becoming a comedian or actor? I didn't even know what a comedian or actor was, so I told her no. She said, well, you should because you have an amazing personality and a great sense of humor. I was surprised that someone like her, a Caucasian woman, would want to inspire a young, black, troublesome kid like myself. It gave me some comfort, and it's honestly when I had my first vision. From that day forward, I envisioned myself making thousands of people laugh on stage. My 11th and 12th grade year, I found theater. I had tore my ACL in high school playing football, and I had to sit out a year to let my leg heal. While sitting out, I remember walking past my English teacher's class, and he had a note on his door that said, Auditions for a School Play. I signed up. That following year, my senior year, I was offered the lead role in the spring comedy play, California Suite. It was one of the best experiences of my life. I got to perform in front of judges, and we got to compete with other high schools. We got to travel to different cities and show off our play. A few months later, it was time to graduate. I was excited to finally walk across that stage and get my high school diploma. My mother was in the audience, and she was crying as I walked across stage. I had finally did it. I was the first person in my family to graduate and get their high school diploma. After my first year of college, I decided school wasn't for me. It wasn't where my heart was. So I dropped out to pursue YouTube, Instagram, and Vine. I was scared. I didn't want to tell my mom. I couldn't tell my mom. I knew it would crush her. She was excited and happy for me that I was in college. She just wanted the best for me.
I remember downloading Vine for the first time. I was in my mom's driveway and I was scared to make a video. I made a video of me riding my bike running into my mother's garage. It didn't get much likes, but I knew it was going to take a lot more than one video to get where I wanted to be. I'm 20 years old at this time, stressed, crying at night, praying asking God what was next for me. Asking why I didn't have a million followers like everybody else I've seen on the internet. I was stressed because I was 20 with a kid. Oh yeah, that's something I forgot to mention. While in high school, I fell in love with a girl and we had a child one month before I graduated. That relationship didn't end up working out. So here I am now, 20, with a two-year-old and no real income. I was stressed every day thinking I might have to give up on my dreams to fall in line with society. I was posting videos every single day on Vine. And I had about 14,000 followers, and I had the app for a year now. Vine was a different type of comedy, though, than what I was used to. I wanted to express my comedy from what I knew and grew up around, which was far from PG, which I thought Vine was. So I slowly stepped away from Vine to post on Instagram. Instagram had introduced a new 15-second video feature. I started posting videos and reaching out to other Instagrammers. I remember watching the Steve Harvey show and this specific episode he had inspired me because he said that YouTubers need to network and connect with other people to expand their followers. I'm from Battle Creek, Michigan. I'm the only YouTuber in my city. Who was I going to network with? I worked hard for the next six months and got my Instagram to 15,000 followers. I knew I was making progress, but at the same time, I just felt like I wasn't doing it at a high pace. I stayed questioning myself over and over, asking myself if comedy was for me. Do I have what it takes? I told myself just to give up countless times, but I didn't. Finally, my videos were starting to take off. They were getting shared by local Detroit rappers and even a couple big comedy pages like Worldstar. My first big share came from the rapper Ludacris and singer Tyrese. If my videos made someone famous laugh hard enough to share on their page, I knew I could get others to share it on theirs as well. The video was me making a joke about how big Android phones was. I had took a flat screen TV from my house and I put it up to my ear to pretend it was an Android phone. At this time, I think I had 100,000 followers just before the year had ended. I was still struggling and I was still working maintenance. My mother was still living in the hood and that's something I didn't like. I wanted to get her out of the hood into a better house and better environment. I needed to do more, but I felt I had no more to go. I was stuck at 100,000 followers for another year. I remember constantly telling myself I didn't have what it take. I told myself that so much that I started to believe it. I honestly just wanted the pain of being scared to fail to go away, so I quit making skits. I failed. Mentally, I failed. I was in a dark place for months. Every day I worked, people would ask me why didn't I post videos anymore, and where was my skits? I didn't know what to tell them, so I lied. In April of 2015, I had walked out of my job at 2 a.m. because I knew it was something I needed to do. Walking out honestly made me feel good. It felt like I gained control of my life again. The only time quitting ever made me feel good, honestly. The following day, I remember going to Best Buy and I spent all of the money I had saved up on a MacBook, a selfie stick, it's when they first came out, and the newest iPhone to record videos off of. I was back living with my mom, and when she found out I quit my job, she was disappointed. I was 22, and I didn't have a job. I was not in school, and I didn't have my own home. I hated walking past them going upstairs to my room at the age of 22. So one day, I thought of an idea that would change my life. Me and my girlfriend was always arguing about just little stuff. So one day, I had wrote down one of my arguments, and I turned it into a skit. That next day, me and my girlfriend recorded the skit in her car. I edited the video and posted it. 
Within 24 hours on Facebook, I got a million views. One million views. I never had anything over, I think, 500,000 views. So I felt motivated. It just made me feel hungry. I wanted to post more. I wanted more views. The thousands of comments of people laughing honestly drove me to open up what I thought was my third eye. So I started posting relationship videos every single day. Stuff couples could relate to and laugh at. Hi, this is Shonda, Queen of Blood. Tune in next week for a new episode of A Million Likes, where I will tell you a little bit about my upbringing and surviving child abuse. By June of 2015, YouTube had emailed me and said I was eligible to start making money on their platform. I showed my mom and she honestly couldn't believe it. She had to read the email twice. I made $3,000 that month. My dreams was honestly starting to come true, getting paid to do what I love. I applied for an apartment and told my mom. She cried. She knew that no matter what I did, I could do it at a high level. It's 7 a.m. and it's moving day. I wanted to sleep in and prepare for the move because I knew I had a lot of stuff to get out of my house and I had to help my girlfriend get a lot of stuff at her house. My girlfriend had called me right around 7 a.m., but I ignored it because I was used to sleeping in. Right after my sister called me, I ignored that too. My sister then had called me right back, so I said, let me answer this because this could be important. I answered the phone, and immediately when I got on my phone, my sister had said, Capri, get on Facebook now. Kevin Hart shared your video. I froze. When I got on Facebook, I had more notifications than I ever had in my life. Kevin fucking Hart has shared my videos. My idol. The whole reason I even wanted to start doing stand-up. I couldn't do anything but honestly just cry. I cried and I got on my knees and I thanked the Lord. Sky was the limit for me mentally. So for the next three months in my new apartment with my girlfriend, we posted skits. I was gaining thousands of followers every single day. My Facebook, my Twitter, but my Instagram was always my favorite. I went from 125,000 followers to 300,000 in three months. Clothing lines were sending me free clothes all the time, new hoverboards. I was promoting just about everything that I could to make money. At this time, it's around August of 2015, I remember getting a call from a management company in Atlanta. They called me just to tell me that they loved my videos and they shared them all the time on their comedy page, Ratchet People Meet. They said they wanted to fly me first class to Atlanta, and they wanted me to stay for the weekend at the Westin Hotel to get to know me and potentially join their comedy label with artists such as DC Youngfly, Emmanuel Hudson, who were both on Wild and Out. I was so happy because I had looked up to DC Youngfly. He was one of my favorite influencers. I accepted the offer and received plane tickets in my email to Atlanta. They had a huge warehouse that they owned. The warehouse was full of costumes and other stuff that us influencers could use to make skits. I'd never seen anything like it. They had a big old green screen and a giant area where we could rehearse. Instantly, I fell in love with Atlanta. It felt like home from the jump. Great hospitality, the food was great, and the people were genuine. They were starving artists like myself, ready to be great. I made friends fast and ran into celebrities everywhere I went in Atlanta. And most of them honestly knew who I was just from my videos. That was shocking to me. I posted pictures with all the celebrities I met, such as T.I., Chris Brown, 2 Chainz, Cash Dowd, Nate Cannon, and a lot more. I was eating wings with T.I. at his mansion and restaurant. I would talk to them and ask them what they did to succeed and if they had any advice for me. They always told me to work hard and don't be afraid to fail. 
Those words stuck to me and would fuel me to push myself. Anytime I met someone famous, I would call my mom and tell her. She was always excited to hear it. I had all my family and friends calling me saying, you did it, man. You made it out the hood. Before I left Atlanta, they handed me a contract and told me to look it over and sign it and email it back to them if I liked it. Right away, I snatched the contract for them and I signed it right then and there. I knew this is what I had wanted. I wanted to be surrounded by other people that did what I did. I headed back home with the good news. After being home for two weeks, my managers called me and they told me that they were setting up a big event for influencers to perform sketch comedy and stand-up in Atlanta in a venue that held 7,000 people. But this time I had to stay for two months to prepare. Here I am back in Atlanta. Now I'm at 450,000 followers and going viral with just about every video that I post. Everywhere I went in Atlanta, people were asking to take pictures. I was hanging out with artists like the Migos on a regular basis. I was getting booked for shows at universities that held 3,000 students. My first major college show, I think, was in Illinois State University. They had paid me $5,000 to perform in front of students who voted for me to come perform. They could have voted for anybody, any other celebrity or Instagrammer, but they voted for me. When I arrived backstage at the university, I was not ready for the crowd that was there. I remember talking to the guy who ran the show, and I asked him, how many people do you think is going to be there? And he said a lot, so I just assumed around 300. As I walked from behind the curtains, 3,000 students started to scream and clap for me. I was in shock, but I didn't want to let them know that. I performed and made the whole school out for about an hour. After that show, I was getting booked left and right, while still rehearsing for the big show in Atlanta. I started to get scared and to think that maybe this stage is too big for me. Maybe my dreams are too big for me and I couldn't handle them. It was 7,000 people in the audience. That made me nervous, honestly. So before I got on stage, I had to just shake off those jitters just to execute my lines. Just about every celebrity in Atlanta came out to watch us perform. The craziest thing that happened to me while I was on stage was some of the audience members started to say some of my lines with me. I wanted to laugh with my head, but I knew I couldn't mess up. It was just crazy to know that some people in the audience knew and remembered my skits from Instagram. That night honestly was the craziest night of my life. I got back home. It's November. My page is now at 600,000 followers, and I'm treated like a star in my city. With that, though, came a lot of pressure. At this time, me and my girlfriend were constantly arguing. One argument I can remember us having was she was telling me I was always showing way too many girls attention on Instagram, and I remember me just telling her that I would change, I would change, I would change, but never did. So, right before Thanksgiving, she broke up with me. I was lost. I couldn't eat, and she was half the reason my videos was viral. Two days after Christmas, my page was hacked. The first thing I did was call my managers to tell them. They tried to contact Instagram, but unfortunately, Instagram was out due to the holidays. I couldn't do nothing but just break down and cry. I didn't even want to be alive at that time. I had nobody to turn to. My girlfriend had just left me, and I lost everything I worked for. 600,000 followers and years of hard work gone down the drain. And just when I thought my life couldn't get any worse, it did. In February, the federal government had came to my door and arrested me for tax fraud. I was through in jail and confused. After I was released on bond and appointed a lawyer, he had told me that someone was filing taxes in my name and kept all of my personal information to create bank accounts and obtain illegal money from the United States government. <laughs> 
I was sentenced to four years of federal probation and couldn't lead a state. At that time, I just thought my life was over. My page was gone, my girlfriend was gone, and I was considered a criminal because of what somebody else did. A couple of months later, I created a new page. I started posting old skits to get people to follow and regain what I lost. It was a slow process, but it was effective. Little did I know a big-time game-changer would soon come, though. I had got a call from a man that I had worked with years ago. He told me that he had wrote a movie called Smoke Break and he wanted me to star in it. So I told him to meet up with me. He had knew everything that had happened with me in my life. He knew about me losing my girlfriend. He knew about the tax fraud and he knew about me losing my page. But he still believed in me. And that's something that surprised me. He motivated me to get back up and just pushed me to believe in myself again. We started working on a local low-budget film and it was what I needed. We had created a small team of people, someone to record, someone to star in the movie with me, and another comedian to make skits with me. His name was D. Todd. The movie was just about finished, and I had built my page back up to 100,000 followers. I was beating adversity. I felt good. I felt better. I started to slowly see my vision again. The movie was released along with many of skits that made World Star and other big pages. We even sold out in local theaters two days in a row followed up on our second movie, Fall Semester, which was released in 2018 and gained a million views on YouTube. I wasn't where I was at, but at least I wasn't a quitter. In 2019, I was finally released off federal probation. I felt free again. I could lead a state. I had money saved up from videos and promotions, so me and my manager thought it was a good idea to take a well-needed trip to Los Angeles, California to work with other YouTubers and work on our show, Unexpected Changes. It all felt new. New page, new followers, new videos. As soon as I got to L.A., I just felt good. It was like magic in the air, something that just made you happy and inspired. The lights were bright, the buildings were big, and there was food trucks everywhere, and they all smelled good. I was surprised to be greeted by fans in L.A. That was shocking to me. That's when I knew my videos were timeless. They were considered classics, so people still recognized me. We spent the first day in L.A. making skits with other YouTubers. Then we went to Fox Studios where I saw people that i only seen on TV. I met a lot of celebrities and fans while I was out in L.A. It was only six days, but it just felt like six months. I adapted fast, and the people there made it so much easier. My favorite place has to be Venice Beach. That place is crazy. Everybody was on the beach. We shot some of our show there, too, and that's where a lot of my fans recognized me at. When I left L.A., I left motivated. I was hungry again. My YouTube show was a success. My Instagram was back popping, and it just felt good doing what I love to do again. When I got back to my city, I wasn't prepared for what my life threw at me next, but I don't think nobody was. COVID-19, the whole world shut down. Couldn't fly, couldn't network. We couldn't even go outside. For months, though, I posted videos inside of my own home. Some of the videos was good, some of them not. I felt like every time I just got close, something drastic happened in my life, and I hated that. I'm still living in Battle Creek, Michigan, but I'm still working hard every day to live out my dreams. I've been through a lot behind closed doors, a lot of stuff that my followers didn't get to see. I'm figuring out who I am as an adult, a person and comedian. Right now, we're working on my third highly anticipated movie, Smoke Break 2. 
The first one was such a success that we had to come back again for number two. We got a lot of production companies asking us to help out with the movie, just because the first one was the number one urban movie on YouTube for six months straight. I'm excited to travel again and promote the movie in different cities across the nation. I think what's next for me is moving away from my hometown. I could see myself living in Atlanta or LA doing stand-up across America. I still have a dream, a dream I've been accomplishing and chasing for close to 10 years now. 500 million views worldwide, 1.5 million followers across my social media platforms. My name is Capri Taylor, and this has been my story. If I can leave you with one thing, I would just say, try to be the best version of you in this lifetime. A Million Likes was brought to you by Willa. Download Willa from the App Store today and get paid super fast for your brand collaborations. Gone are the days waiting 30, 60, or 90 days for payments. Using Willa, you press a button and get paid immediately. Check it out for yourself.